This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. President Obama last night laid out a lot of ideas he would like to see done over his final two years in office. And while there was some bipartisanship, it appeared once again that it will be very hard for much to get done in Congress. Here's a recap of what the president wants to accomplish. That's why my plan will make quality child care more available by creating more slots and a new tax cut of up to $3,000 per child per year. Send me a bill that gives every worker in America the opportunity to earn seven days of paid sick leave. That's why this Congress still needs to pass a law that makes sure a woman is paid the same as a man for doing the same work. It's 2015. It's time. And that's why I'm sending this Congress a bold new plan to lower the cost of community college to zero. So to every CEO in America, let me repeat, if you want somebody who's going to get the job done and done right, hire a veteran. So let's set our sights higher than a single oil pipeline. Let's pass a bipartisan infrastructure plan that could create more than 30 times as many jobs per year. That's why I'm asking both parties to give me trade promotion authority to protect American workers with strong new trade deals from Asia to Europe that aren't just free but are also fair. Let's close loopholes. So we stop rewarding companies that keep profits abroad and reward those that invest here in America. Well, that is a recap of, or I guess I should say, the highlights of last night's State of the Union address uh, in front of the uh, combined Congress. Uh, Joining us to discuss uh, what happened last night and maybe what we can expect, we're joined by uh, Mark Meredith, Associate Professor of Political Science here at Penn, as well as Eric Ortz who is a professor in the Legal Studies and Business Ethics Department here at the Wharton School. Great to have you both here uh, in the studio today. I I guess we'll start with both of you in terms of just a general reaction to what the president said last night. Mark? I mean, my biggest takeaway from from watching last night was how little bipartisanship you saw in the crowd, other than the general rah-rah America lines. Uh, There's just very few times where you saw Republicans up standing and clapping and it suggests a rough time ahead for a lot of these proposals that Obama is putting forth. Eric? Yeah, I generally agree with that. I think uh, I think that the time has gone where uh, the president has felt that he's actually going to have a be able to start off with a compromise proposal and be anywhere. Yeah. So my read on that is that this is basically a negotiation and you uh, both sides are just taking very extreme positions. That's mm-hmm. been the way they have been acting. I, I tend to be a little bit more optimistic on some of these issues. I, I think that when the smoke clears and, and, and all the talk radio guys go one way or another on like how <laughs> ridiculous this speech was or how great Obama is, at the end of the day, I, I, I th- I, I am, maybe I'm uh, too optimistic. I think that people are going to start to look at, okay, is there, is there one or two things here where we're actually yeah. going to get done? Because I think, I think the Republican Party is going to – cannot just say we're not going to do anything for two years in in the face of a growing economy, then they're going to get crushed in uh, two years from now in the present. They don't want to do that. So I think they're going to, my sense is that they would want to look at what can we really do here and and try to make deals. But we'll see. Playing off your comment a second ago, I'll be the one talk show host that will try and keep it down the middle. 
if I can. We'll that's, just, why, we'll, that's, why, that's why we like you. We'll, we'll just wait and see. Uh, we want to take your comments as well uh, from our listeners. What did you think of the president's speech last night? Is you Do you have hope for uh, the economy over the next couple of years? 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to give us a call. Uh, I, as, as you mentioned, Eric, there did seem to be a couple of points within the speech where uh, – I noticed whether it was a reaction from uh, from Paul Ryan, whether it be uh, from John Boehner, that there was a reaction to a couple of things, one being the potential for uh, trade proposals uh, in trying to really push agendas forward, uh, especially with uh, the Asian nations, to try and build that out. That seems to be one area where both sides of the aisle really believe that there is there's room to work. I think that's right. Uh, I think that uh, trade trade proposals are one area. It seems that it's a no-brainer that both sides, that the United States' interest is in countering China in the in the Pacific, and the way to do that is to negotiate a deal. And so I think that's one area. The other area I would highlight is infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and it, it just seems it, it, it. We are now at the lowest point of uh, GDP percentage investments in infrastructure since 1947, I believe it is. Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. I think you know, the tr it's it's actually a traditional Republican issue. At least when I grew up in Ohio, when you had a new Republican governor, everyone said, "Okay, the roads will get fixed now." <laughs> and uh, it seems like that is an issue where there could be some bipartisanship as well. What did you think? What were, was there an area that, uh, Mark, that you thought that maybe uh, there's some room to work? Yeah, the trade was clearly the, the winning issue in terms of uh, most Republicans standing relative to Democrats. You saw some, saw some Democrats sitting on their hands uh, when they were talking about trade, and that's often how, uh, how, how trade works, works in Washington. It's more of a cross-cutting issue uh, that's not quite as aligned with parties. Uh, I, I agree about infrastructure, too, although if you listen to Jody Ernst's uh, uh, response, uh, you know, their infrastructure right now to the Republicans is, is the Keystone Pipeline, uh, yeah. and yeah. They, they're going to push forward with that, I think, because they have uh, a pretty a pretty large coalition uh, behind that, and I think that uh, in order to uh, in order to get a bigger package together, it's going to require uh, uh, the Republicans and Democrats to come together and try to find some reason to do that, and if yeah. the Republicans think that they have this issue that they can win on, then they might not. They might not want to do that. The interesting thing is that uh, it, it, we've we've seen quite a bit of infrastructure improvements here uh, in a, a lot of the highways. Uh, obviously, maybe one of the big infrastructure concerns that is out there are uh, the pipes that run through a lot of major cities that are you know 125, 150 years old that are going to need to be replaced. I remember here in Philadelphia a couple of summers ago, it seemed like every other week there was another pipeline, that, uh, pipe, water pipe that burst. Um, so maybe that's the, the big point. But obviously the means to the end from that whole process was the Republicans would like to see the Keystone Pipeline in, and maybe they understand that, okay, if we work on something else, maybe we'll be able to get this pipeline through. Because it seemed like for a long time the president was absolutely no way is that am I going to approve this. But it seems like maybe there's – from his tone last night, there's a little room to operate. I think there's a lot of wiggle room there. I think he's probably against it, but not uh, strongly against it. And yeah. so I, I think there's a potential trade there where uh, if the Republicans don't think there's enough votes in, in Congress to override a Obama, Obama veto, then uh, in that case, there may be uh, some deal put together where either in the same bill or some handshake deal across bills where uh, – uh, 
some some additional infrastructure bills come to the floor and uh, in exchange for for Obama support on the Keystone. The interesting thing also uh, about last night's uh, speech was uh, one of the the lines that I think the president got a, a lot of attention about was regarding the minimum wage and the line that he used about look if you can go out and survive on fifteen thousand dollars a year then go do it. Obviously, he's talking to uh, trying to deliver that message to the you know couple of hundred people that were uh, you know in Capitol Hill last night. But but again. It's a point that needs to be brought up that the minimum wage, cities are doing it, some states are doing it. They are increasing the minimum wage. It's going to be interesting to see if all these cities and states continue to do it, yet the federal government does nothing with it. Yeah, I think that might be – I think there are a couple different audiences that, that, that were there for the for the speech. And for that one, I think it's probably the political uh, audience for two years from now. I don't really see the Republicans moving on the minimum wage issue, although – you know, I think there's a good argument for it. I agree with the. I think on the uh, the way I, I thought it was interesting to hear how the Keystone Pipeline was wedged in with the other infrastructure. It yeah. seemed to me that was a clear signal, and given how much uh, uh, the president's been doing on climate change, otherwise, I think he can afford to trade off the the pipe pipeline issue if he can get. Uh, a lot of what he wants on infrastructure investment. So that'll be interesting to watch. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number. We'd like to hear your comments on the president's speech last night, the State of the Union. We're talking with uh, Mark Meredith, who's an associate professor of political science here at Penn, and also Eric Ortz from the Legal Studies and Business Ethics Department here at the Wharton School. Overall, Mark, when you, when you think about this speech and what the president said last night, in terms of the other state of unions that he's done, where does this kind of rank? Uh, a lot of people think that this was a pretty good job by the president. Yeah, I think it was a good speech. I don't think it was a, a game changer in any way. I think he laid out a bunch of proposals, as we discussed, many of many of which are just proposals and will likely uh, never become never become laws. But I thought he he was effective. I thought uh, he wasn't. Uh, as focused on the details of the policies at points yeah. and was speaking more in terms of values and I think uh, in terms of communicating your message to a broad audience that that could be pretty effective what did you think Eric? yeah I, I agreed I, I thought he was um, I, I think I think it's probably true it's not one of his great speeches like the civil you know like the um, uh, civil rights speech in Philadelphia or some of the some of the big highlights in his career but I thought he was I thought it was a decently solid speech and also very relaxed. I, I think he was, it's like, well, I don't have another election to go. Uh, I'm just uh, going to lay it out there. And I also think um, it indicated to me how he takes the long view. Yeah. And that's been one of his, uh, I think we're going to look back in history. And if you look at what he's actually said he was going to do and, and, and what he did, he's checking off the boxes on a, a lot of things. So yeah. um, I think that's his... Uh, he, He's a da- he's a dangerous competitor, I think, in that respect that he takes a very long view on issues. You brought up an interesting point in that speech, and I guess it was towards the end of the speech that the president made that that jab uh, at the GOP. We pulled that. I want to listen, let you listen to that, and then for those people that didn't get to hear that last night, I have no more campaigns to run. My only agenda. <laughs> I know because I won both of them. <laughs> 
I think he stepped that up. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I think he should be writing for for uh, for Jimmy Fallon or for one of the late night shows after that. But but that was an interesting po- moment in, in the speech because of the fact that it obviously that first cheering that you heard was probably from some Republican. Uh, you know, party people, and then it and then it just kind of played out from that point. Yeah, he had them set up on that. And I, I think that's a that's an aspect of it that he's looking at another audience. I mean, the, in yeah. order to preserve what he has done in his uh, two terms, he's looking to making a you know keeping the office for some Democrat, maybe Hillary Clinton, maybe someone else in yeah. the next round. Uh, otherwise. You have a Republican president with a Republican Congress. A lot of the stuff is going to go away. Well, and he also had that kind of a moment earlier in the in the speech when uh, referring to uh, equal pay, where he said, "You know, it's 2015. It's time." And so that was another one of those moments where you know he seemed very relaxed and you know had his agenda, but but wanted to make sure that he related to to the entire public. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's a good example of the long run uh, vision of Obama in the sense those those were not on the script, but seemingly were, were anticipated uh, talking points that were going to be a- ad-libbed and I think demonstrates that Obama is, uh, despite not, not going to be back on the ballot again, uh, yeah. he, he's, he's going to be a worthy adversary for, for the Republicans in Congress. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because of the fact that, that it is now a Republican-controlled uh, Congress, and it does obviously make it quite a bit harder. And if there is going to get anything done, there's going to be maybe even a, a higher level of deal making that's going to have to go on over the next several months and, and next couple of years in order to get forward what what both parties want to get forward. Well, one of the things that we learn at the Norton School and uh, you know from negotiations class, my you know, my department chair uh, Richard Shell has written on this uh, very very effectively book called Bargaining for Advantage. But I think Obama did not know how to negotiate when he first got into Congress, or at least it seemed that way to me. Yeah. And here he knows where he is, and and you don't you don't start off by saying, okay, let's compromise on X issues, and here where here's where I'll meet you in the middle already. You start out on the extreme. Because you know, if you know, especially if you know the other side's going to start out saying no. Yeah. You say yes in some strong terms, and then, then I think I'm still optimistic that there's going to be some meeting in the middle. But maybe again, maybe I'm chronically optimistic. And I also found it interesting that there were four or five Republican responses going on simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I think Jody Ernst is a, is going to be a, a a major player in the Republican Party and is a worthy person uh, worthy person to be speaking, but. In some ways, what we want to know is well, what's what's Paul Ryan's agenda. You know, the sure. chairman of House uh, House Ways and Means Committee. He's going to have a lot of power over what what which of these proposals has any uh, chance of gaining traction. And uh, so maybe this was a maybe this is a calculated move by Republicans to to hide their uh, hide their true preferences, or maybe it's a sign that there really aren't there there aren't Republican preferences that there are all individuals in the Republican Party that have preferences. And I think th- to the extent that there is. Uh, a unified Republican voice will go a long way in determining how, how much bargaining can happen or, yeah. or whether deals are feasible at all. Well, and, and certainly it wouldn't be the first time that, that a political party, in terms of a response, put one face on, on the quote-unquote response by the party, yet had the other people basically running the show underneath. And obviously Jody Ernst, with uh, the fact that, that she's a, you know, a former military personnel and a freshman senator, Obviously, it, it does bring a little bit of a fresh look to the Republican Party at that point. Yeah, absolutely, and, and her personal story is a compelling one. And she ran a very, a very strong campaign, winning a Senate seat pretty, pretty handily in a in a swing state. So, it, it's not to say that Jody Ernst uh, isn't, isn't a good face for the Republican Party, but clearly, in terms of 
who's going to be negotiating for the Republicans when making yeah. deals with the White House. It's Won't not going to be, be Joe Ernst. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned, Eric, about, about the middle ground. And historically, from uh, for either one of you, historically from where a president sits basically two years uh, before getting ready to leave office, is it normally a tactic of a president or a philosophy of a president to maybe – be more a little bit of a deal-making mode to try and get things done in those last two years of a presidential uh, run? Well, I think, I think it depends on the circumstances, uh, of, uh, the historical circumstances. Uh, right now, and, and right now, I think we are at a low, unfortunately. I think that the president, I believe, genuinely was trying to make a case, let's try to get beyond the cynicism and the gotcha moments yeah. and the and the usual politics. I think that's. I think that was a genuine appeal to try to. And Mark mentioned earlier this appeal of values, which I actually kind of liked, and I, I think that's a good message to hear. Now, whether it, uh, whether I, I think again, he's looking at two options. It's one. One option is I think he would be willing to make deals uh, where. Uh, he can agree to them, and, yeah. and the other side, and and get and, the, and let the Republicans get some benefit and claim some benefit. If you have infrastructure investment, that translates to economic development. They can get, you know. So I think he's willing to do that. I think he's also willing to say, if I need to, if you if you guys really want to just be the party of no again, yeah. then I'm happy with that because that's going to mean uh, good things for the next election cycle if you really are going to tar yourselves with that. And I, yeah. I think Mark raised a very good point about whether the Republican Party actually can get it together to have a unified view because if they are fractured and cannot negotiate for that reason then by default they just might not be able to say sure. yes to anything and i think they're going to be in trouble next uh, election cycle if that would if that, if that if that happens yeah i think putting in the historical context is interesting because what differentiates the current times from the end of the clinton administration or uh, george w bush's administration or even uh ronald reagan's administration is that uh, no one thinks of Biden as the heir apparent in the Democratic Party, uh, maybe other than Joe Biden yeah. and, and his family. But uh, the, the the White House is a little more free now to potentially engage in these deals, especially if the, the Democratic candidates, Hillary Clinton, who is, is, is at a certain distance from the administration and, and can and can more plausibly say the current administration policies are not my policies. And yeah. so I, th I think that gives a little bit more room for uh, – for, for deals to happen as opposed to the end of, of the Clinton or Bush administrations where uh, uh, it wasn't the same dynamics going right. on. 844 Wharton, 844-942-7866, the number to give us a call. We'd like to hear your comments on uh, the President's State of the Union address. And the other interesting part about it is, and, and it was much publicized uh, yesterday going getting ready for the State of the Union, is the fact that the President's approval rating has gone up quite a bit, uh, obviously, uh, in the last couple of months. With the way that job growth is 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 taking off now, uh, the GDP numbers are go. The wage growth obviously has been uh, you know slow to come around, but from that perspective, it, it really in some respects was a bit of a perfect storm for the president having all of these pieces kind of going behind him going into this speech last night. Yeah, I mean the first ten minutes of that speech felt like you were at a rah rah football uh, <laughs> pep rally, and that that, that that's a new uh, a new state of the union. Uh, uh, speech for, for Obama. Uh, and so I think that certainly the extent the economy uh, stays strong, um, oil prices stay low, um, stock market continues uh, doing well, that that is going to uh, work to his advantage. And I think what you're going to see as the campaign cycle ramps up is uh, 
uh, fights over credit claiming. Uh, who 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 is who is the person or or body yeah. that's responsible for this? You know, yeah. I think Obama very clearly needed to do that last night because uh, come 2016, the Republicans are going to try to say, "Oh, this was actually this our is, deal. This is this is this is because we have a Republican Congress." And so I think yeah. he was he was setting the setting the tone, trying to point out in very clear terms, "Hey, this 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 predates you," and to, you know it's going to be hard to to keep that message uh, salient on in the campaign, but I think that it's setting the stage to, to do just that. One of the areas that seemed to also be a, a, an area where there may be some potential to work, and, and this one obviously I think is going to take a lot longer, was the talk about taxes. Uh, the potential of trying to do some sort of an adjustment to the corporate tax code, but at the same time maybe trying to do something to individual taxes as well. And I noticed that, and like I said, I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, in the very near future because of it being such a a hot-button issue. But I think at least that was put out there, and there's the potential for some conversation about it going forward. Yeah, I thought thought that was, uh, again, I think that mainly those uh, arguments were for the future. Yeah. Right, because I don't think there's going to be a huge tax deal that they're going to make right now. But there is a lot of interesting developments. That uh, one one recent report uh, uh, that had come out by Larry Summers and uh, Ed Balls is on uh, by the Commission uh, on Inclusive Prosperity. But the, I think there's that this whole issue of inequality is is a big issue. Yeah, yeah. the trends are very severe on this issue and uh, worldwide. And it's not going away, and I don't think it's going to be sufficient for the, the Republicans just to say, hey, that's class warfare or whatever. I mean, when you have 1% of the people on the planet owning, I think it's what, third of the wealth on the planet or something, I, I don't know the exact statistic. There's a recent Oxfam report out on this. But Thomas Piketty and, and others have, have pretty clearly shown this to be a continuing divergence. Yeah. And... Um, you have to have. A re- I think you have to have a political response long term to that. So that's that's where again I think there's a historical perspective here of seeing this as a big issue, and if you're going to just take the view that um, it will trickle down, I don't think that's going to be a winning view long long term. Yeah, I think my, my colleagues and I were sitting around yesterday trying to uh, discuss how we would even poll uh, inheritance tax reform and. and, and <laughs> People, the public doesn't really have. We call these non-attitudes in political science because people just don't know about the issue. It's a complicated issue. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think there is some possibility for um, some redistribution within the tax code where you would you know cut taxes uh, for some people and close maybe some of these uh, high end high end loopholes. Uh, and, and I think that's actually. One key development in the political world in the last few weeks that may help this is Paul Ryan saying he's not running for president. I think yeah. that, that that's important because he he is going to be a key player whenever tax deal uh, would be worked out, and him not being associated with a presidential ticket uh, in, in in this Congress, I think, is is important for making that deal feasible. I'm still not I'm not optimistic it will happen, but yeah. it, it definitely makes it so it's not impossible. You could be a vice presidential yeah, candidate, right? Be <laughs> successful in some way. Here. Well, and, and certainly, you know, when when it was bandied about uh, whether or not you know he he was going to be involved a couple of years ago, it certainly, I mean, I mean, he drew a lot of attention to the point where, in some respects, maybe it is best for him to stay out of the limelight where that is concerned and really focus on trying to build from within uh, to make this country better. Absolutely.
844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number uh, if you'd like to uh, give us a call. And you bring up the the, the 1% uh, problem because that continues to be an issue, as you said, around the globe, uh, but obviously hit hit quite a bit here at home. If, if, if some type of a proposal was to be brought forward, are we thinking that it would have to be at least like four or five years down the road just because of the fact we're, we're in the last two years of this president's run and then that new president is whether or not that person's going to have that immediately on the agenda, it's still going to be a couple years after that. Yeah, my, my sense is that this is not an issue going away and that right now is probably not the time where you just had a I don't, you know, the, the buzzword that I've, I've heard recently is is inclusive capitalism, and there are think tanks that are working on this uh, thought. And the, yeah. the general long-term thought is how do you get back? The New Deal and the uh, welfare states of Europe have basically run their course to some extent. You had a third-way argument that uh, Tony Blair and Clinton were pursuing. And now the question is how do you retool where we are now and what are the policy changes and tax, you know, tax changes are, are one big piece of that, I think. Yeah. But there are, how do you get people educated to the same level? How do you, uh, how do you make sure? How, how do you try to assure that all boats are rising rather than uh, rather than just a few at the top? And uh, I think that's a long-term issue. And right now, probably, I don't see on the Republican side a willingness to really seriously engage that issue. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if they don't. Uh, have a theory of why of how they're going to make everybody better off and and yeah. have that be um, an economically viable uh, alternative. Then I think they're going to be in trouble. Two other quick things that uh, that were brought up uh, and obviously have been in the news quite a bit lately: uh, paid sick leave, uh, and, and also the president wanting to uh, make the first two years of community college free. Uh, those are uh, those are two areas which obviously from the general consumer's point would would really help if they're able to go through. I ask the question, can they go through? I think paid sick leave, no. I think that's going to be a, a real tough issue at the federal level. I think Obama mentioned in the State of the Union about how this is being emulated off what's happening at the state level. And I think you will see this issue be on a lot of uh, – be put up to a lot of initiative and referenda in, in 2016. I think it, I think it is an issue that might have some success at the state level, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see it uh, working at the federal level. Uh, I, I'm I think there's 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 more of, of a possibility on, on the other issue. I think um, I think I think there's 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 more potential for for um, bipartisan interest in in community college. You saw a couple Republicans stand when that that issue came up. I think what the key is going to be: can Obama find a policy entrepreneur in Congress who mm-hmm. wants to make community college uh, their issue? And that, that that strikes me as plausible. I think there are people out there who uh, who who could sell that as a conservative as a conservative program as right. something that. Uh, is important uh, uh, for their for their agenda because it really does go to the to trying to continue the growth of, of the economy uh, going forward. Well, and one of the one of the uh, one of the poster uh, one of the poster examples of that is Tennessee, and it, it was yeah. basically it's a Republican administration that has put that in place. And so, if you can basically track a successful Republican program, and then the argument is, how can we expand that? Maybe there can be a compromise, expand it at state levels where you have some federal assistance in the program. Or Anyway, I I think that would be a case where 
I, I agree with Mark. You know, it, is it, is there going to be a Republican champion that might step up and say, okay, I want to I want to put my name on this as a bipartisan success story? Yeah, uh, and we can claim credit. Tennessee was the first to do this at the state level. Uh, that went, that might be a win. And I I think it uh, I think it's uh, a popular idea. Right. I mean, people retooling yeah. for a new economy and uh, that you go to community college. I think it's become almost standard that in order to get into the workforce, you have to have college education. Sure. Yeah. And so it's uh, I think it's an appealing idea on uh, potentially bipartisan support. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming in. The one thing is, as we've alluded to, we know that uh, no matter how this all plays out, it's going to be great theater to watch between the two sides. And all you had to do was was watch the State of the Union last night and how many times they showed the picture of the president standing up at the podium and you could see Joe Biden and John Boehner behind him and how many disinterested looks John Boehner had over <laughs> yeah, the course yeah. of that over the course of those uh, that speech last night. Thank hopefully, you very much. Hopefully it gets something done. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.